Yeah, Jeremy's getting hydrated before this new episode of Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth. Jeremy, doing some pinch hitting for me uh, yesterday when the news broke with Justin Verlander. I really appreciate you hopping on KHO 11 News and uh, breaking down the whole Justin Verlander. I was I was surprised that that happened so quickly, but you weren't. Why? Um, I wasn't because the minute Noah Syndergaard signed for $21 million, you have to figure short-term contracts, high-leverage money, um, chance to come back to Houston and, and compete in a shorter window with people, places he's familiar with. I think that was pretty clear. Jim Crane has is, is got to be committed to uh, – Binding what James Click is saying, and, and that's uh, uh, you know going forward, I guess, for the next couple of years. So uh, that that was not a surprise to see that happen, and, and it's actually it's a two year deal. It's not a one year deal, so that makes even more sense. All right, coming up on today's podcast, more talk about Justin Verlander and what can we expect in twenty twenty two. Also, Carlos Correa spotted in Houston with AJ Hinch. The two were. Brunching, lunching, breakfasting. I don't know. It was one of those three or maybe all three. We'll talk about that. Also, Carlos Correa and Derek Jeter, the comments about the gold gloves. And finally, we are dipping into Jeremy's 2013 scouting reports. The Wayback Machine to see um, how one of his players, the very last player on his list, ended up. So I am starting the clock and we are good to go for 30 minutes Jeremy, the one thing that really I find interesting about this Justin Verlander deal, yes, it's for two years, the expectations. And my concern, Jeremy, is you've got this guy coming off arm surgery. It wasn't that long ago. I got to believe that there will be a cap on the number of innings he can throw. Yeah, he, you know, he'll, well, it's going to be kind of a hybrid, I would imagine. I mean, he's had oftentimes pitchers come out of Tommy John surgery in their rehab and they're stronger than they were before they went in. Okay. So the way he's taking care of his body, the way he's conditioned, I would be surprised if he throws as many innings as he had in the past, but I don't think it's going to be that much less. I think he's here to win. It's the only reason they're paying him that much money is to win. They have to be convinced he's healthy. They have to be convinced that he can take the ball again every, every five days. Um, you know, and, and look, in a rotation that he's stepping back into, uh, you've got, you know, uh, Framber Valdez, you've got Lance McCullers, you've got Luis Garcia now. Um, you know, you've got Rakiti, I guess, that brings up the, the back end of that as your five in this type of, of scenario. But Verlander slots right back into the front and now allows you to go get some depth, right? So with that said, he's going to go, he's got to be who he's going to be for that amount of money and that amount of time here. I counted seven guys, seven starters under contract for next season. The five you mentioned, you also have Christian Javier, and then you have Jake Odorizzi. So I think they actually have some depth. A lot of people on Twitter wondering, oh, maybe they should deal one of those guys. Absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah, I I wouldn't. Unless it's for maybe a shortstop. Maybe I'd package Christian Javier for a young shortstop if you could. But I think you've got to stick with those guys because we know that the Astros tried to go with a six-man rotation at one point, and then they couldn't because the injury. So I would not be surprised to see some sort of six-man rotation in the middle of the season to help McCullers and Verlander and everybody else. 
If they run with a six-man rotation, <clears throat> I would imagine they'd start with that. So they don't disrupt any routines, right? They'll make that decision pretty early on in the offseason. Everybody that is 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 preparing to come back will understand that it's going to be a six-man rotation. Uh, you don't want to disrupt routines, you know, in May. They right? tried to do it during this past season. They were going to they were going to do a little bit of a six-man ro- a six-man rotation to obviously save save some wear and tear on some of the guys. Yeah, but again, I, it, just because they tried it last year halfway through or partway through doesn't mean that's when they should do it. If you want to do something like that, you get people the time from the beginning to prepare for that all year. Um, you know, that's it, just that's a player development thing. That's a health thing. Uh, you know, and look, this stuff may have may have not uh, it may be around today. It's not it was it's never been done before. But the reason why is because we weren't pitching with the same type of intent and type of effort every time we take the ball. So um you know, it's not a bad idea. I, I still think guys can do every five days, but I do think starters are getting more, less and less um, uh, prevalent. True starters, and Verlander is a true starter. So uh, they got seven guys under contract. I'd still go get another one, to be honest with you, because I think Javier is in the bullpen. I think he's better in the bullpen. I think you have to see how that thing comes together again. Um, he's learning to pitch in the big leagues. You know, if you're making a, a, a sprint. Uh, a sprint slash marathon to get into the playoffs and to try to go into the world series. He's not one of your best five, right? So he's got to be in the bullpen. Uh, he's got to have a chance to, to earn some innings that way, learn to pitch in the big leagues and you can transition him to the front maybe in a year. Well, if he's in your bullpen, he needs to, he needs to get warm. He needs to get hot with, you know, fewer than 75 pitches in the bullpen. No question about it. And especially in the fourth inning, but let's not go back. Let's not go back in time. There was a very interesting debate on Twitter between some people I really enjoy and respect in this industry. John Lopez, Sports Radio 610, Mike Meltzer from Mad Dog Radio. Basically, John Lopez was saying that Justin Verlander, if he had had his Tommy John surgery earlier, we might have been able to see him pitch in the postseason, the World Series, in the sense that Justin Verlander had a workout for teams after the World Series and was reportedly throwing 96. In theory, and again, I'm not here to say anyone's right or wrong, but I guess my point is showcase innings, if you will, are a whole heck of a lot different than World Series innings. Showcase innings, how's the arm? Good. The velocity, there. It's not the pinpoint accuracy trying to thread the needle. You're looking for a general feel of how somebody's doing in showcase innings. It is far less taxing than what you would see in a World Series or postseason game. So I don't believe that Verlander, even had he had his surgery earlier, would have been an option in the postseason. Who was who the guy that said that? John Lopez from In the Loop, Sports Radio 610 here in Houston. Great show, him and Landry Locker. Um, I don't know how you can put yourself in the middle of somebody else's rehab off of, off a of surgery like that and speculate at all. I think that um, when you have those type of things, many people will try, you know, rehab. They'll try platelet uh, um, the injections now into the elbow. They'll try any number of things to try to see how we're gonna how they're gonna recover. Um, everybody is different in Tommy John, everybody. 
So if if I had Tommy John, I could be back in six months. But what yeah. about and the decision also when you're going to have it? Well, it just it depends on what you what you're projecting. It depends on what you try ahead of ahead of time. Because um, I think that Justin Verlander, when the news came out that he was having some issues, I I really believe he was trying to figure out a way to pitch in 2020 because the guy doesn't have a lot of years left. I know he wants to pitch till he's 47, but these guys know the clock is ticking. That was another opportunity to go to the World Series. And my guess, yes, JV is very much about JV, but I also believe that he wanted to pitch because he knew it was another opportunity to get to the World Series. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I had some text messages tonight about the Astros resigning him and how he how Verlander fits in the clubhouse. And um, I'm not um, I'm not in that clubhouse. I can't answer that for you. I I know what I was told. Um, but that that said, um, yeah, I would agree. I think he's a competitor. I think he wanted to find a way back out there, realized he couldn't have had surgery. But even if he did have surgery two weeks prior, there's nothing saying he would have been ready to throw in the World Series or the postseason at that time. He had would have had him in the, on the active roster before, before that anyway, and he wasn't. So um, you're talking about something that really is inconsequential, doesn't make any sense, and that there's no way to insert yourself into how somebody's rehab is going to go and tell them what's going to happen. It's just worked out that way at the end. Um, it's all speculation. Uh, it, it's not real. Val- it's not valid speculation. You know, we just we just need to move forward. He needs to move forward with where it is now, and um, you know, realize I think everybody's a little bit surprised that Verlander came back, but that it makes sense. I'm also fascinated by this clubhouse dynamic and the reports that because Verlander wasn't around, that the Astros didn't want him around during the postseason to throw out a ceremonial first pitch. I'm guessing that he will be asked about that should they have some sort of news conference when it's time to announce officially his signing. He's addressed why he wasn't there during the year, but I think it's very interesting to, to, to think how he's going to answer that question. So, you know, it'd be interesting if I got some of the, the stuff, I, I um, some of the comments I heard today from sources. It'd be interesting if I got that stuff from the same sources two years ago, you know, um, to just to compare what I, what I got today was that all the stuff you're talking about really adds up to the fact that those guys don't really like him all that much. And I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if it's not the case. I just know what I was told. It would seem to fit. Hey, Justin, you're not going to do rehab here in Houston and play catch. You're going to go to Florida and do it there. You're not going to throw out the first pitch here. Right. Um, you know, you're not going to be around the club all year because guys don't want the distraction. That would all seem to fit with somebody they don't like very much. Um, you know, and, and and yeah, I mean, he's he is a lot about himself. But at the same time, what I will take the, the flip side of that is the professionalism that all those guys are showing to be able to play together and try to win, even with somebody they don't like, is pretty impressive. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, he's back. The Astros management didn't think it was that big of a problem. I'm sure they asked some of the guys on the ball club what they thought about it. And, you know, guys want to win championships. So he's back and they're going to go forward. You think players were asked about it? I, I think Altuve and Bregman were absolutely asked about it. Okay. And, and McCullers. I mean, those guys have earned the right to say, hey, <clears throat> you know, he wasn't around all year. What do you think? You know, I, and, and to that point, I know we're going to talk about Correa as well, but to that point, if you start thinking about the Houston Astros, 
right? There are certain any team, but Houston, because we're here, there's certain players that come to mind. Jeff Bagwell, you know, Craig Biggio. I mean, it seems like Biggio throws the, the first pitch out every other day. You know, I mean, those guys are Astros through and through. Like you can't visualize them in another uniform. They're tied to the city. Um, I would say the same for Altuve and Bregman. You know, and I honestly would say the same for McCullers, though I can see him going somewhere else later. I can't imagine Altuve, Jose Altuve, playing in another uniform. It doesn't connect to me. Springer, it was very easy to see him. George, it was very easy to see him in my head playing somewhere else. It was You knew there was a time it was going to come to an end. Um, Carlos Correa, there's a time that's going to come to an end. Like, you can feel it as that's going and where it was going to hit. Um, but, you know, Alex Bregman's kind of the same thing. Like, you can't see – I can't visualize Bregman, you know, going to play – well, I can't visualize anybody going to play, but in, in City Field. I can't see that happening there, right? I, I see Bregman here. So, I think if you're James Click and you're Dusty Baker and you're the guys making decisions at that level, you're going to at least ask him, what do you think? Is this going to, you know, interrupt it? We want to do it. We'd like to have him back. You know, do you think it's, it's bad? And those guys are going to be like, you know what? I love him. I hate him. I don't care. I want to win. Sure. You know, and that's that's a testament to the professionalism. And you never know that perhaps maybe some of the people who have a problem or had a problem with that situation, they might not be with the team in 2022. You just don't know. I'm not saying I do know. I'm just saying there's that dynamic because teams make changes all the time. Right. Yeah. Some of those guys aren't going to be back. I mean, you know, it's a it's. A couple guys in particular aren't going to be back. And, and it's just, it's, it's, that's how the game is. I mean, it's not show friends, it's show business. You know what I mean? So they're going to have to go ahead and, 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 and make the best decisions for them. And, you know, I mean, even if it, put myself in, in, in back in that position, because we know I've had some conversations around the league this, this off season more than most. And, um, you know, I, I have said some things on camera that, you know, some people may be, um, sensitive to but the reality is is that I have been myself and I've said these things and people are going to have to when they've come to me it's not so much about do you have our opinion it's do you have an opinion and can you help us win that's the conversation you have to answer and and I think that these guys are doing the same thing they should if you're not doing it that way you're doing it wrong you have to be able to bring people in and have people around players, front office scouts that have different opinions, but will help make you better. And I think that the Verlander situation is an absolute testament to it's not show friends, it's show business. And speaking of show business, I am not surprised that A.J. Hinch, the manager of the Tigers, was spotted in Houston dining with Carlos Correa. So I guess they are show friends as well. Yeah, but I mean, you've got a team that's clearly in need of a player like Carlos Correa. And why wouldn't A.J. Hinch? Why wouldn't he say, hey, we should grab a bite to eat together? But realistically, I actually think the Tigers do have a shot to sign him. Which part of that you want me to answer first? All of it. All right. Um, you know, look, Correa was very, um, very, you know, was, was very open in the past. All those guys were about how they felt about AJ, you know. So to, to have a relationship with him is is key. Um, Carlos lives in Houston. He clearly hasn't sold his house. AJ Hinch lives in Houston. Clearly hasn't sold his house. 
I live in Houston. I clearly haven't sold my house. So, I mean, you know, Houston's Houston, right? People like being here, whether they go play somewhere else. I mean, it's a great town. It's a great place to be. Um, it would make sense that even if Correa was under contract, those guys would go have lunch, you know, or breakfast. So I don't think there's too much to read into that. It's just like Correa, you know, in, in New York with Martin Maldonado right away, right after, I think it was UFC or WWE, whatever he was doing, you know, right after the season was over, those guys went to New York. And hey, it was, oh, come on, match. Jeremy. That's, oh, apples. that's apples. That's apples and oranges. No, it's, my no, it's, not. It's, it's everybody thought he was going to New York, Yankees, Mets. He's not going to either place, but that's not the point. Um, I do think, however, that the Tigers are, are close enough to being good, uh, learning how to play, that Correa can step in and help usher in a window, um, especially if you're talking about an eight to 10 year contract. Um, I don't think the window fits here in Houston for him. So I think you're looking at a team that's on the come uh, or a team that is already established. And if he's not going to fit in a window here where, where he's established, because same reason, Altuve and Bregman and those guys will be here for life. Um, if that's not the case, the best shortstop in baseball, and there is no question about it, the best shortstop in baseball, um, is going to be looking for a contract that, frankly, is a little bit irresponsible. And, you know, the deal Francisco Lindor got, it's irresponsible. The deal that Fernando, Fernando Tatis got, it's irresponsible, but it's still out there. And so I think he's going to do that. The Tigers have a history of paying guys like that. Texas has a history of paying guys like that, going back to Alex Rodriguez. Um, I think the 0% state tax makes a lot of, you know, he's going to like that. So he's been used to that. I see him in Detroit. I see him in Texas. I don't see him in either New York, but I'll give you a dark horse as well. And, and only a dark horse because it's switching leagues. And that's the Philadelphia Phillies. Playing alongside MVP Bryce Harper, perhaps. And that... Maybe the reason why he doesn't, though, because I think Carlos wants to go somewhere where it's about Carlos. I'm the man. He's not the man. I'm the man. I think there's a lot of similarities to him and A-Rod, where wherever I go, I got to be the guy. and It's got to be about me. And Hey, I got this. And what about my commercials? And what about – I think that's how he is. And I I think that neither Detroit nor Dallas is – enough of a media market to feed that like he probably wants. But Dallas is a big market. It is, but he's looking at New York and L.A. type of stuff, and the Dodgers aren't going to do it. They're going to sign Seager or, you know, their guy, Corey Seager. They're going to slide Trey Turner over. The Angels, the more I think about what they're doing with their pitching and what their ultimate fit's going to be, especially though Tani is an MVP, Anaheim isn't for Carlos Correa either because he's got Trout and Otani, right? So there's going to have other guys that go out there. They'll probably sign a stopgap, like bring back Iglesias and um, you know, Jose Iglesias and some things out there is the same thing before they can get somebody else to the big leagues. I think he ends up in Dallas or, 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 uh, or uh, Rangers or uh, Detroit. I, I don't think there's too many other markets out there that are going to support it. Again, Philadelphia is a possibility, but Bryce Harper, his, that's his team. I got to believe that Yankee fans are more upset about his comments that Derek Jeter doesn't deserve five gold gloves than, say, the Yankees, the team would be but that's just my guess. I don't know why he said it. I mean, I get, I get, I get, I get his logic, but I just don't understand why you would say that. Now, certainly it's a little looser, the forum. I assume it was some podcast looked like it. And guys are just talking like we do, but 
Yeah, I don't know if I would have gone there. I, I, I think you can preface it by saying the argument is there are people that think, some say, but that's just my two cents. I'd be curious to hear what uh, Reggie Jackson has to say about it because, you know, Reggie and um, I was very fortunate to spend some time with Reggie throughout the postseason, and he has he had nothing but respect for DJ, you know? And so when I hear that from Correa, part of me wants to say, bro, you're A-Rod, same type of mentality, you know? And the thing with Alex Rodriguez is nobody ever knows if Alex is being genuine. I mean, we saw him, you know, I, I, we saw him in Atlanta. The guy gets up from his, um, I think that was Fox. He's doing, was it Fox? And he gets up from the set and grabs a rake and starts raking third base. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, he's got this big grin on his face and Ortiz and Thomas are just like. That's you know, show like, business. Right. That's, that's, show, that's business. show business. And so I think Correa is the same type of, of, of approach, unfortunately. You can't tell if he's genuine or not. You know he wants to win. You know he wants to compete. I think that's clear. A-Rod was the same way. But, you know, Alex would get out of the box and he'd look around and act like he didn't see you. He had that glassy look in his eyes, like that John Cena, you can't see me. But he had that. He was like, everything was a show, you know. And I think that I, I don't, I'm not saying Carlos is like that, but unfortunately, like with Bregman, and Altuve, it's real. Like everything's out there, it's real. And Carlos doesn't quite feel real. Um, it's not an insult. Some guys are good that way. It's just how he how he is. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know that I would have said that about one of the best players ever to play baseball in our time. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I don't think he was a hundred percenter, right? I think Rivera is the only one that's done that. I don't think he was hundred percenter, but. Um, 99.9. I, I just think Carlos has a long way to go before he's anywhere near what Derek Jeter has done. Um, Derek Jeter, I believe, has, I believe has five World Series rings. He has five gold gloves. He has how many All-Star games? Carlos, when you get to that place, then you can say that. Until then, it's just your opinion. doesn't make you look good. Um, and it's not something that, that people are going to start opening up their checkbooks going, hey, this guy, Carlos Correa, he's a clubhouse changing guy. He thinks Derek Jeter sucks. Like, you don't do that. You know, it's just not something you do. And I think Carlos is going to regret saying that down the line, even if he doesn't right now. Is it easier to pile on? And we're not piling on, but it certainly feels like piling on a guy who most believe won't return to Houston. I'm not piling on him at all. I, if I was Carlos Correa, I'd come right back here. I wouldn't be asking for um, you know, 17 years and $497 million per. I, I would just be like, oh, you're going to give me seven. Because look, I promise you, the Astros would do seven and 230. They would do that. Okay. Now, I'm not saying I have any inside information. I mean, James Click didn't call me on the bat phone and be like, what do you think? I'm just saying, like, if they went five and 160, they would do seven and 230 to get the player. But that's called being reasonable. How much more money do you need, Carlos? How much, you know, I'm not piling on. That's being reasonable. I would stay right here where it's show business, it's show friends, it's show love, it's show everything, you know? And I would just want to be where, 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 my, where my wife's at, where my family's at, where everybody's grabbing. My, heck, my brother's in this organization or was. Like, where am I going, you know? I don't understand that. But um, that's not piling on. It's his decision to make. I don't care if he was playing shortstop every night for the next 10 years. You don't make a dumb comment like that about Derek Jeter. What are you doing? You know, what are you doing? You know, so I, I don't think that's it. Uh, I don't think that that has anything to do with the other. 
Um, I was, he's earned the right to make this decision. He can go wherever he wants. Like that's up to him. I would come back here, but that's up to him. It's got nothing to do with the comment about Derek Jeter. Zero bad comment. Not, not a good idea. You know, everybody else has handled it with grace. Jeter hasn't even paid any attention to it. You know why? You know why? Because Jeter's a Hall of Famer with five rings, five gold gloves, and 19 All-Star games and 3,000 hits. Hey, Carlos, are you going to get to that? No? Okay. What time is it? What time is it? It's Hall of Fame time. That's what time it is, okay? I'm kind of making a joke of it, but that's the point. It's Hall of Fame time. It's gold glove time. It is everything, Carlos, you don't have yet, okay? When you get there, then you can talk about it. Until then, respect the guy. Seven years, 230, $32.8 million a year. I know it's not more than Lindor, but I, I think that's more than reasonable. In fact, I think some of the art, I, I think some of the reported offers that the Astros have made, I don't think they're a slap in the face. I mean, when you look at the average annual value, they're not. Well, all right, let's we'll break down Corey Seager, who's also had some injury issues, right? Tommy John, he's had some back stuff. I mean, he's he's not going to look for 10 years. I mean, he might try. He's not going to get that. You know, seven years? Sure. Does he go to New York? Maybe. But New York has a couple of short stops that in their system, they're going to be pretty good. They got Gio Rochelle playing third base. They've got Clyde Torres experiment, thankfully, is good, is done. He's going to move to second base. So you have a you have an environment there where they're going to find a stopgap as well. Corey Seager is a better fit than Carlos Correa in New York. It's just still not going to happen. So the Mets, I, I, they got mm, their own mm, man. Um, uh, let's move on, right? The Phillies, no. The Braves aren't a fit. When you start going down the markets, like what do you really have left? And that's what that's what the hard part is about these guys. They ask for this big, these huge, gigantic contracts. Um, there's only so many places that will do it. He's not a fit in Seattle. You're going to play second base, and J.P. Crawford's going to play short. Oakland's tearing it all the way down. The Dodgers, we've already talked about them. The Angels, maybe, not probably not. The Padres, absolutely not. You've got uh, the Rangers, yes. You've got the Astros, yes. The Tigers, yes. Milwaukee, no. Cincinnati, no. Pittsburgh, no. Philly, maybe. Both New York's, no. D.C., maybe. There's only four or five places to land, you know? And, and D.C., if they were going to do that, why'd they trade, trade, uh, why did they trade Trey Turner? They kept him there. So I, I just I just think that he's not in as in as demand as he thinks he's going to be. And this is the place he should, he, he should want to end back up. Whether or not the Astros want him back, well, I think they should move on. That's my opinion based on what the the what they're going what they're looking to do, I believe. But if they can sign the best shortstop in baseball to something that makes sense, then they should do that too. Just coming in from the New York Mets. Welcome to the Mets, Billy Epler. Shocking. Yeah, good for Billy. You know the Mets in in not counting the Brody Van Wagen in uh, sixty games, and because that's like one and a half years. Do you know they are since two thousand eleven? They're a seventy eight win team. Like I wouldn't, I went back and looked. They, they're seventy eight win team. Like on average. Yeah, on average. Twenty two thousand fifteen, that they won ninety, went to the World Series. Two thousand sixteen, it was a wild card year, eighty seven. Everything else has been in the seventies, and I mean. All of it. Did, did I miss something somewhere? The 78 wins on average, does that get your rings? No, uh, but that, it gets you a lot of GMs. Well, in this particular situation, the nine years I referenced were all under Sandy Alderson. So um, good luck to Billy Epler. 
Hope that he can turn that around. Obviously, Anaheim wasn't the best experience in the world for him. Do you think he'll remain as general manager? Because I know that there was a report out there that said, oh, we're just going to keep the seat warm for that other guy, the one in Milwaukee, who has the last name of a former Mets catcher. Not related. John? Um, I, I Bad think, dude. John Stearns, the bad dude. I, I think that they will absolutely keep Billy Eppler as the general manager. Um. I think David Stearns goes over as the president of baseball operations. You know, it's funny because before all this came out, um, well, <clears throat> you know, uh, you teased, I, you teased I, it. Well, I went I had, back and I went back and had, looked at a podcast and I was like, Jeremy's trying to say something. I, think. I had it. I had all the info. I mean, it just was what it is, but you know, Epler and Stearns are buddies and they kind of, came to some kind of deal. Those guys can talk. Billy's not working for a club. He, if he was, he was not at the time that he's not trying to hire David Stearns, but you know, it, it put him in position over there in New York. Um, Cohen has long had this affinity for David Stearns. And when he figured out he could probably get him in a year, because you notice David Stearns still has not signed an extension. So that hadn't happened yet. Right. Um, and that conversation, I promise you has been had by Mark Atanasio and David Stearns. Um, the Apple becomes the front runner and they look to somebody who has a background in analytics and they think has a background in scouting. He does in pro scouting um, who, you know, Billy's going to walk in there and say right or wrong that he didn't have much of a chance in Anaheim, Los Angeles, LA, Los Angeles. they're Anaheim to me, the California Anaheim angels. Okay. Um, he didn't have uh, much of a shot there because how Artie Marino does things. Maybe it's right. Maybe it's not. None of us were in the room, but that's what he's going to say. Um, but he's going to he's going to hold that down for a year, you know, and we'll see what happens when David Stearns and the Brewers are done in 22. All right. We have two minutes and 25 seconds left. We can go a little bit longer. Let's bring back a 2013 scouting report. The player ranked last on your list. Number one, six, six backups. Backup outfielder in role, can hit and has field to make contact, no power ceiling or versatility. System depth and can help if needed in a pinch. Non-physical, has some effort to his actions. Playable defensive tools and skills, must overachieve and really hit. He was from Louisiana State University. He did hit. His name, Rafe Rhymes, number 166 on your list. And Jeremy, you were right. Rafe Rhymes topped out in high A ball, had some great years in college. He was a junior college national player of the year, but. Um, I know units, right? Yeah. Yeah. But is a, is one of those guys beloved in LSU at LSU for obvious reasons. But um, as a pro, unfortunately it, it just didn't, it just didn't take. Yeah. I forget who it was that year, but somebody said, I, I had seen him as an area scout in 10 and 11 he was a senior sign so i'd seen him in 10 and 11 at lsu Eunice, and um i had somebody say we should take this guy in the first round i'm sorry what i had somebody say we should take this guy in the first round I'm, hold on say that again i had somebody say we should take this guy in the first round. And, um, you know, the funny thing about me, Jason, I'm big on accuracy. 
So like when guys try to twist things around and say, yeah, this guy or that guy, this guy or that guy and chirp from rooftops and do all the things like that, you know, we'll we just go back to the tape and we're going to rewind it. We have things called draft lists. And the funny thing about draft lists is that uh, Ray Frimes was a college performer um, and he's worse at Marucci Sports, who is a proud sponsor. We are proud to be working with them, the sponsorship of the New Balance Baseball Future Star Series. Um, and program 15 sports. He is a, uh, he's, he's excellent at what he does, but you know, Rafe was a good college guy. His, his heart really wasn't in pro ball. It was kind of, you could kind of see it. He was really enjoying Baton Rouge. And I think he played a year and a half and went right back to Baton Rouge. Right. Um, and so that was maybe a couple of years and that was it. And he's, he's a great guy, but no, major league baseball was not for him. He certainly deserved, deserved the chance to go out, but um, somebody said we should have him in the first round. I forget. I, I really do forget who said that. I remember looking at him like, I mean, I can see him going out of the senior sign, but he's not a first rounder. And he's, he's a great guy. And that's how it worked out. Because I selected this particular player, has have I made it uncomfortable, uncomfortable for you by choosing this one because of the business ties? And if so, I, I'm apologizing. I, I wasn't attempting to do that. Oh, no, no, you didn't. I mean, I got him right. He was the strongest guy on my list. He held everybody else up. When I played a couple of years, topped out an A ball, went back to doing something different. I mean, look, that's what it is. I mean, a lot of guys top out an A ball. A lot of guys don't move on. Doesn't mean they're um, they don't have any talent. He has some talent. He deserved to go out there and play. Had a great college career. Great guy. You know, good teammate. A lot of guys liked him. Um, I think he would laugh at that a little bit, and, and he should. And you know, but again, we have people that tend to take things and, and twist around. You had this player over that player and scream from rooftops and do all that stuff down and into the Twitter sphere. And, you know, like people, people who should, who are decades old and buried that should not probably just stay where they in their, in their box, you know, but in, in, in any event, um, yeah, that's, he's good. He's a good kid. Grown man. Now does a great job where he's at. It was a lot of fun to scout him though. Cause he played with a bunch of energy and, and he, he could get the, hit the ball in the ballpark with him and a bat. He could do that. Rafe, my apologies. I remember him from Katuit. <laughs> Katuit Cataliers, Cape Cod League. Yeah, he, I mean, he, was, he was a good college performer. He, he did about what he should. He was good, though. All right. Well, I've probably done better than I should have. So there's that. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Like, subscribe um and all that stuff and of course we'll talk to you next week on the extra basis podcast thanksgiving edition <laughs> <laughs>